won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Citizen Sibs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 92 and was recorded on October 9th, the day before CitizenCon. Rendered completely obsolete October 10th, thanks to CitizenCon, but still released for download Tuesday, October 13th over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Skulk Box, we talk about pocket carriers. Well, maybe more backpack carriers. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, everything about the Endeavour-class ships around the Verse Season 2, Episode 2, and a little update on the latest from Derek Smart, The Escapist, Forbes, MMORPG.com, and everybody else who has an opinion in a new segment we're entitling Forbes Escapist Morg Smart Ponzigate 2015. Whoa, What? Can we, can we shorten it? Well, that was your title. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, I know. But now that I hear it out loud, even in a British accent, it's it's just not good radio. Well, I did tell you that, but okay, fine. Um, how, how are we going to shorten it, though? Because Smartwatch was fine when it was just him, but now it's far too narrow because everybody's got an opinion on this. Okay, um, hold on. Oh, uh, uh, Jeff, 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 do you have, have like a book right, right uh, at hand? Sure, I have a Micron printer manual nearby. Oh, yes, Micron. Oh, very good, very good. Okay, right. Uh, Lennon, get on Google Chat and roll four D100s, okay? All right. The first two numbers are pages, and the second two numbers are words on those respective pages. So, go. Okay. Uh, Word 17 on page 92. Uh, Hazard. Okay, and word four on page 36. Uh, index. Okay, that's fine. That's what we're calling it right there. Hazard index. Right. Okay. Okay, uh, and we let you know the latest hazard index. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we set sail for the stars modularly. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sibs, you can help us bring more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that the folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the school box. Do you boys need a carrier out here? Uh, everything's under control. The This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Riffing on one of our discussions last week on the uh, Collins Show, the UK is nearly finished building two adorable little pocket carriers, the HMS Queen Elizabeth II and the HMS Prince of Wales, which, while an improvement over the Nimrod, uh, technically means that the ships could be called Her Majesty's Ship Her Majesty and Her Majesty's Ship Her Majesty's Son. I, however, shall call them Lizzie and Chuck. 
Now, I say adorable pocket carriers due to the fact that they are dwarfed by the United States Nimitz-class and upcoming Ford-class ships, uh, but actually these are pretty substantial vessels. Nearly 70,000 tons displacement, capable of fielding a combined air group of 50 fixed-wing and rotary aircraft, and a crew complement of around 1,600 sailors. Powered by diesel engines, giving her a range of 12,000 miles, that's 19,000 kilometers, Hey, I did that one legit that time. Uh, Lizzie and Chuck will be expected to project a British might cross the seven seas well into the middle of the 21st century. Work on Lizzie is actually a touch ahead of schedule, so she'll be commissioned in 2017, and Chuck should be ready to sail in 2020. At that point, the UK should be past the carrier drought imposed by the decommissioning of HMS Illustrious. See, they used to know how to name things right over there. But... You knew there'd be a but, didn't you? There's a fun little wrinkle here. Prior to retirement of Illustrious, the UK also retired its fleet of Stovall, or short takeoff and vertical landing, aircraft. The Sea Harrier and the Harrier GR9 are no more. While the Indian Navy is still keeping their Harriers in the air for a few more years, and the US is still flying their version, the UK is still waiting for its Harrier replacement. Anyone care to guess what that is? Oh, I do. Uh, I know Jeff? exactly what that is. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Mm, that would be the F-35 uh, B variant, I That's believe. correct. Yes, the B variant. Very, very good. Very good. The F-35 B. And only the B. The C model, being procured for the U.S. Navy's Ford class, simply won't do for Lizzie and Chuck, as converting either one of them to the Catobar or catapult-assisted takeoff-but-arrested-recovery system would have added billions to the construction cost and years to the commissioning date. Good news, they've managed to compensate for the deck-melting issue that plagued the American amphibious assault ships. Bad news, they only bought 48 F-35Bs, not even enough to fully stock one of the two ships. Solution, borrow some from the U.S. Marines, who have 353 of them on order, but can only field six fighters on each of the 11 ships that they have at any one time. That's because those are the only ships getting refitted to not melt on contact with the jet's exhaust. Best news of all, though, American Marines aboard ship with British sailors? <laughs> that long-awaited Top Gun sequel totally writes itself. Am I right? <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at, like the Monty Python guys below decks and like the cool American sailors with the aviator glasses on the de- on top deck and the, and the sailors are always playing the pranks on the guys. And it'll be awesome. Is that the movie everybody has in mind, I'm assuming? I mean, that's the movie I have in my head. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to roll with that. That I cannot picture anything finer. That's for, It's fertile ground, I think. I really do think so. The thing that I'm most disappointed about in all of this is the F-35B. Mm-hmm. That is um, disappointing, I think. It's very disappointing. Yes, yeah. It kind of almost speaks to the, the, the heart of British life in that, you know, we, we used to be a nation where we would, like, strive for just, like, the best everywhere we could. But now it's all, like, you know, the easy option in the middle of the road, don't want to make a fuss. Oh, the, the B will be fine, you know. Don't worry about the C. The, the B, it, 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 it will do. Um, just, just put a load of them in there and hopefully nobody will really say too much about it. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's so... Typically British. Could, could I bother you to sort of redo the aircraft carrier to take a real airplane? No, no, too much. It's not quite. No, no. This will be fine. Yes, no, no. Absolutely. The, the the B can stand for British, and uh, yes, and the C lovely. will stand for completely not the model that we actually wanted. Too much trouble. Very expensive. Don't want to be a bother. 
Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for October 9th, 2015 is 90640000 up about $1.3 million from two weeks ago. Star Citizens now number in the 991,000 range of about 6,000 from two weeks ago. And the UEE fleet has grown uh, to 766,000, only up about 1,000 from two weeks ago. The second episode of Season 2 of Around the Verse is out now. It's still the same show that you know and love, but now from a brand new set and definitely a lot more polished. As always, these episodes contain a lot of good information, and we would encourage you to check them out. Links can be found in our show notes, of course. But we wanted to talk about a few of our favorite bits. First up, the Caterpillar. Jared Discolando Huckabee sits down with Randy Vasquez to give us an inside look, literally, at the Caterpillar. Although everything was a work in progress and only in the white boxing phase, we get to see some pretty cool stuff. The Caterpillar will be coming with five body modules, one front module, and a command module, and all modules are multi-level, making the Caterpillar a two-deck ship. The body modules and the front modules can be swapped out between a ton of different variants to make each ship unique no matter what you plan on doing with it. The body modules on display here were an armory, a mobile shop front, a medical bay, a mobile salvage area or chop shop for those less legally inclined for doing uh, you know salvage and reclaiming work, right? Generic cargo modules holding up to 90 SCU and a barracks and last but certainly not least a docking collar which lets up to four ships dock with the Caterpillar and making her the ultimate meeting point. The front modules that were on display were a personnel launcher bay, which is something of a working theory at the moment, with the theory being if you need to EVA over to another ship ASAP, say, you know, you need to rescue them in a hurry or possibly relieve them of their goods, Le- then Lennon, you can just Lennon. be... Ca- Yes. We are a rescue organization, so rescue, leave the rest out. Don't give anybody else any ideas. <laughs> but if there's nobody getting them into trouble, how are we going to rescue them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Point, so, point yeah, limit. Yeah. yeah, point to limit. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, should you need to uh, uh, rescue them in a hurry or provide a, a little bit of light relief of their material possessions, then you can be just catapulted out into space straight out of an exit tube. We also see the EVA. EXO, which is a small craft to help with repair of the hull, salvage, etc. It's not really so much of an additional craft or a snub fighter, it's more like a seat with an engine strapped to it. And, of course, we were shown a cargo module. Finally, we were shown how all the modules may look when the ship lands, with each one opening at the sides clamshell style. Right, this is another one of the truly modular ships, you know, this is a... It's a Lego ship, essentially. Yeah. You know, this this thing is going to be whatever you build it to be. This, like the MISC and like the Endeavor, uh, I'm sorry, the MISC hulls, I should clarify, and the Endeavor, um, this is going to be another, you know, build it the way you want it and play it the way you feel like type ship. I like it. I like the, I like the concept of it, um, but I think it's going to be unwieldy to do any of, any one of those things really well. But I think that's the drawback. Yeah, I, I heard it's a beast to pilot. And I think it's all cool, the modular stuff, but I, I'll tell you, they need to cut down the segment on Around the Verse. I started watching this, and 10 minutes into it, I'm going, okay, a little jump forward, and okay, a little jump forward, and then, okay, a big jumper, a bigger jump forward. <laughs> I mean, it was... Are you all... saying that CIG needs a clock Nazi? <laughs> yeah. <Jeff? laughs> yeah, everybody needs a clock Nazi. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, approximately 20 minutes of footage in ATV, which, yeah, probably could have been cut down a little bit, but I thought overall it was an excellent look at the upcoming, or the potential upcoming features. That's the important thing to bear in mind, is that all of this is a work in progress and could change at any point. But, like you were saying, the, the modules being able to make the ship what you want to fit any sort of given role... I'm really down with this concept and it seems like most of the ships these days are becoming more and more multi-role whereas before you were getting specific variants now you're getting well you can buy a ship and just make it do whatever you like which I think is actually going to provide a, a, a lot more um, options not just obviously in terms of loadouts but in terms of gameplay and it kind of puts that whole when you see a caterpillar you actually don't have any idea what it's going to be outfitted with from the outside this could be just a cargo ship in which case you know there could be thousands of cargo units in there it could be a mobile hospital it could be a mobile salvage rig it could be a combination of all of that so i think it would make anybody who was going to go into the pirating side of things have to really pay attention to their scanners and you know do some really in-depth stuff to make sure they're targeting the right type of vessels for whatever it is that they're after rather than just indiscriminately oh that's a caterpillar let's get it you know there's no way you can just tell yes this one is loaded with goods and the other one isn't yeah i I think that that's that's you know there'll be some obvious targets like the misc hull series ones but ones like the caterpillar uh, you know, you, you really do will need to take a good look at it to see whether it's worth your time to do terrible things to it. If you're a, if you're a, a pirating type, sorry, Jeff. We we know we don't want to give them any ideas, but we do need customers. Well, we we, we cater to everyone too. You know, uh, good side, bad side, it doesn't matter. We're we're agnostic. We rescue anybody in distress. And secondly, if you've not seen it yet, you really need to go check out the links in our show notes for some of the most visually impressive shots we've seen yet from CIG. They show us exactly what it'll look like when your ship explodes provided your ship is a constellation. Starting small with an electrical overload, a small fire breaks out somewhere, then a cascade of failures, fires, and overloads finally leads to the first kaboom, and then the rest of the ship explodes like exploding explosions that explode. I don't know. Yeah, it goes it, boom real it, good. It goes boom real good. It That's goes the... boom really good, but here's the thing. There's no sound in space. <laughs> you know? This, uh, me, I mean, this has been a pro. This has been a thing since Buck Rogers, right? Since Flash Gordon in the thirties. I know. Right? It's I mean, like we get it, we get it, but you know, I'm not saying that uh, you know every explosion. I mean, every cascading failure is going to be like that. Who knows? Maybe it's just an engine blowout. But, but uh, the overall effect was was really really awesome. But uh, I, again, I have to say, there's no sound in space. That really threw me. <laughs> it's like, why am I hearing the explosion? The thing is, though, CIG kind of have us covered on that because it was brought up in Arena Commander with how can you even hear, like, you know, bullets that are going past and engines of ships and this sort of thing. And their uh, law basis for this is your sensors are playing back and interpreting it for you. So there is no sound traveling through space, but your your ship detects there's a big explosion, and oh, that probably sounds like this, and plays a <laughs> oh, boom yeah. sound effect. Okay. I'll, I'll, no, that's that's their words on mine, Jeff. Seriously. Uh, that was a... Right. I, I can dig it. I think it's situational awareness, right? It's, yeah. You know, you know, rather than a, war- a different warning sound for bullets, they just play a bullet flying past you sound. You know? <laughs> Hey, hey, pilot, you should pay attention to that. The yeah. the one thing that I did have to say about it was, whilst it was incredibly visually impressive, with all like the little bits that are going flying off and how half the ship breaks up and then it explodes and more debris, it looked awesome. 
but I really think that that is going to be toned down one heck of a lot to be able to fit it in a game. If you can imagine you've got a capital ship battle, so one capital ship in one position, another in another, they're broadsiding each other or whatever is going to happen here. You've got all the fighters that are flying in between. There are going to be explosions going off everywhere and if they're going to try and render them to that level of fidelity the graphics cards are just going to melt down as struggle oh no actually that's a good thing i've just realized because it's it's just more immersion if your graphics card is setting fire whilst the explosions are taking place <laughs> you get that acrid smell of it, smoke yeah, I, yeah, yeah wow this game is great i can really yeah, smell the yeah, burning yeah. silicon yeah so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. maybe it's not a bad thing but ultimately yeah i think they're going to have to tone it down because it is really visually impressive but even even the, the ghost system, the game object state tracking, there's no way I, I would put... Mm, I'm going to put a large part of my Priority 1 paycheck, which for those listening is zero, by the way, on the fact that they are going to have to tone it down because even the, the ghost system, I don't think, will be able to track that across multiple ships in a localized area. I, for one, am hoping that explosions like that are actually rare. I would hope that what's more common is like the pieces falling off sort of little explosions are what happens all the time. The warp core breach is not something that happens every time you damage or destroy a ship because, number one, it makes the sort of salvage and uh, retrieval thing more of a viable gameplay option. And number two, it might save my graphics card from you know becoming a pile of slag. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because we decided to talk to you a lot instead. But the latest ship concept sale is out, the Misk Endeavor. Unfortunately, the sale is only on over the weekend, so if you haven't purchased one, chances are you'll have to earn it in the verse. As well as the concept ship sale, we were also given a three-part Q&A series where all the questions like, can you equip multiple types of the same pods? Or can you make a dust star super laser thingamajiggy using particle accelerator and a telescope? are answered. Firstly, though, a bit about the Endeavour herself. Coming to us from MISC, the Endeavour is billed as one of the most unique ships in the Star Citizen universe. Although, honestly, after the Caterpillar tool came around the verse, I'm really not too sure of that statement anymore. Designed from the start to be modular, with a healthy variety of modules available, the Endeavour is truly a multi-rolled ship, and she's big. At 200 meters long, she's roughly the length of an Idris. Endeavour allows six independent modules to be slotted at any one time. Typically, modules are installed in pairs to make the ship symmetrical, allowing for thrusters to remain balanced. The modules that are currently available are biodomes, a telescope, particle accelerator, medical bay, landing bay, and several other general-purpose modules like a science pod. And you can fit these to the ship in any order you like, as long as they fit. If you can't decide, fear not, because CIG have given us some preset packages to start you out. The Discovery class is a multi-purpose research and science vessel. The Hope class is designed for troop support and comes with a medical bay and landing bay. The Olympic class comes with four biodomes for farming in space. And the Master set comes with absolutely everything, but of course, you can't use them all all at the same time. As far as thrusters and weaponry goes, it's all a bit uh, TBD, but early signs are that she comes with only two remote turrets. By all accounts, there are further modules planned later down the line. As in the first Q&A, it was asked, will any additional modules be included with the master set? And the answer from CIG is no. Only what's currently listed will be given to you, as they want to avoid packages that might limit discovery in the persistent universe. Oh, and if you did want to try and build the Death Star Super Laser thingamajiggy with the particle accelerator and telescope, CIG have already said in the Q&A too that we won't be able to. Shame, really. 
I've been meaning to pay Alderaan a visit. <laughs> and lastly, a bit on the medical bay and the biodomes. Uh, if you have a medical bay, you can act as a mobile spawn point, and you'll be able to set who is able to spawn in there. So you can choose your fleet mates, organization only, or even a filter like anyone with a reputation lower than X. However, CIG let us know that this will not be Call of Duty instant respawn style spawn points, and that instead when the player wakes up, they'll have to navigate their way out of the med bay, through the ship to your hangar bay request transport out of there and so on and so forth so whilst you're a mobile spawn point you're not going to just be somewhere that lets them jump straight back into the action and when it comes to farming crg tell us that the advantage of being a space farmer is that you can adjust your plan given the current economic environment and you can overlap your growth and delivery efforts further some of the most exotic seeds those that will generate the most lucrative crops may only be found on remote planets and may need to be planted asap in order to remain viable so Jeff and Tony, how many endeavors are you buying? Not a one. Um, zero endeavors buying, but I think we talked about this last week. This is a, a, a this is an earning ship. Way back in the day, way back in the day, I uh, advocated for being able to build capital ships, right, as a fleet sort of project, and this is the sort of thing that lets it come true. If organizations are able to own ships and can either tax members or accept contributions from them, then go out and acquire vessels. This is exactly the sort of thing that I was asking for way back in the. Yeah, one thing that I've been kind of curious about as to whether we'll do, so this is a little bit of theory grafting here. Every time they talk about the medical bay and a spawn point, they they presume you're going to have a hangar bay with it. So what I'm wondering is, could you fly your endeavour to the middle of like a pirate war zone with a medical bay, set it to be the mobile spawn point for anybody with a reputation lower than a given amount, don't have a hangar bay so they can never leave your ship, wait for everybody to respawn, fill up your medical bay with uh, the unsavory types and fly them straight to the nearest UEE jail. I like that. I love the game we're building here. Yeah, I, I love do this. Too. It's 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 a uh, it's a trap. All right, well, it's some short discussion today because we know it'll all be outdated by the time CitizenCon finishes up 2 days before the show drops. But we would be remiss if we did not update you on our hazard index, which today the hazard index stands at rhinoceros. If you don't know what the hazard index is, we know some of you skipped the intro. Go back and listen to the intro. Find out what it is. We will wait right here for you. Okay, y'all done? Okay, great. So uh, this week we had a little... <laughs> Another set of correspondence between our two favorite people, Derek Smart and Orwin Fryermuth. Derek um, being Derek, and uh, Orwin being the other half of CIG's ownership and its uh, general counsel. I believe I made it pretty clear a couple weeks ago that I was less than impressed with the uh, quality of uh, Mr. Fryermuth's, let's call it penmanship, even though it was a typed letter. Um, his penmanship left something to be desired, and uh, yeah, once again, not so good just a quick read of it and it's unfortunate because I share the opinion with uh, Mr. Smart's lawyer he may have just walked himself right into an ethics violation by violating California Rule of Professional Conduct 5-100 so it's the sort of thing where everyone would just be better off if we just stopped talking and sort of let things fall where they may because we didn't get a chance to discuss this last week and I promised Jeff we could 
because in Chris Roberts' letter, he sort of walked himself into an unfortunate, what we in the business like to call admission of some kind, or not really an admission, but uh, it's just an unfortunate way of phrasing things. During the question of uh, the accusation the escapist made of improper human resource practices. Jeff, do you remember what one of those accusations were? I remember that the escapist had reported that Sandy had made certain that she was in charge of HR and that Sandy had made certain comments about not hiring that person over 40 and I'm not going to hire that black female because she's a black female. Now, I immediately, you know, my my blood pressure went up because I'm over 50 and uh, I still am a professional. I'm a professional IT person and have lots of background and frankly the young bucks don't have the background I do I'm sorry for all the school that you went through but uh, you can't match my skills I since did some research and I'm beginning to think that a lot of this was way blown out of proportion and and that the reports of her saying such things was probably not true especially when you look at the past videos of certain people that are hired by CRG or even older than I am so I'm not sure where this is coming from. I think it, it was something to focus another bit of ire on, but they seem to be so far show that they're not doing those practices. And this is the interesting point about this. So Jeff, you actually did a little sort of like viewing and, and looking and sort of try to see if you could establish the veracity of these things independently, right? Yeah. So and so And so if someone does do some sort of like investigation, it is unlikely to find pattern or practice of discrimination. Yes. Right. I I, I okay. would I would say yes. Pattern or practice. Those are some. Those are magic words. Pattern or practice. That's the trouble, though, is that it only takes one verifiable instance of discrimination to make all your other good decisions just go right down the toilet. And that's why the answer to accusations of racial or age or religion or national origin or any of those things that are protected classes by law, if anybody ever tells you, hey, sounds like you're doing those things, the only right answer is we follow U.S. law on this topic. It disturbs me that you've received reports like that. I'll investigate that right away and take appropriate action. Thanks for telling me. That's the only right answer. That's the only answer you ever give in that situation. And that answer was not given. So it frustrates me a great deal to see the correspondence going back and forth and the disparate level of quality between the people that we think are probably blowing things out of proportion and the people we would like to get back to finishing the game. There's a high, high level of disparity in the quality of correspondence, and it frustrates me a very great deal. And that's all I have to say about that. So right now, guys, we're at the stages of denials and denunciations. We spent some time this uh, afternoon trying to figure out a, a, a name for our, this segment, and we really did do the random generator thing. That really was how we came up with a name for it. The, what I suggested was Image Wars, because really everyone is just posturing at this point. It's like if you've ever been to a Renaissance Fair, there's like the joust. And the ones that I've gone to, it's like separate joust during the day. And like it's like a melodrama in three or four acts. And so if you want to see the actual final joust, you have to like come back at five o'clock in the afternoon. There's like the pregame warm-ups two or three times before then, but you don't really get to see the bad guy get his comeuppance until the very end of the day. And by then, you're full of scotch eggs and cheesecakes on a stick and, and turkey legs and beer, and you just want to go home. And so you just sort of like, Ugh. and maybe you skip the last part. I love I'm at scotch the eggs. stage. I love scotch eggs too. But, uh, but after a couple of them, it's too much, right? And you don't want to stick around for the last chest. I'm at the stage here. 
you know, videotape it for me on your smartphone <laughs> and email me the MPEG because I'm going home. So we'll come back to this every week and fill you in on it, but I'm not going to waste a lot more clock cycles in my brain until somebody files a lawsuit and writes down on paper, here's what I think I can prove. And then we'll go from there. And that comment is directed at uh, CIG and Ortwin, and it's also directed at Smart and his bunch. You guys have traded plenty of shots. You guys wasted a lot of time and effort and electrons and paper. Somebody who thinks that they've got it, bring it. But now it's time for news we didn't use. And for the Chairman, Episode 68, Chris gives us more details about CitizenCon. Showdown. Vote coverage. Think universally. Act locally. Work in progress gallery in Star Marine Armor. Check out the fancy threads of the Pirates and Marines. Around the Verse 2.01. Brand new season. Same great show. Ten for the Riders, Episode 5. Will Weissbaum and Adam Weezer tell us everything from alien technology to multi-part stories. Star Marine status update. Seriously, where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? Empire Report. Vandal attack on Vega. Grab your pitchforks, folks. It's starting. Two entries into the Galactic Guide. Farron and Kastak Arms. And Bug Smashers! Episode 12, featuring Mark Abent's attempt for an enemy. And this week's community question. Citizen Con Highlight Reel. Tell us your favoritest thing. Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's take to the stars in a modular style in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. So I think it was a productive meeting. Those Miss people know what they're about. Yeah, definitely. The co-branding sale in VD when the new Endeavor model comes out will be great for the bottom line. Ah, here, here's our transport back to Terra. Is that a retaliator? Why aren't we taking a Starliner? Well, I tried booking passage with Meridian Travel, but they said our involuntary term of reflection on bad passenger etiquette doesn't expire for another month. What? A two-month travel ban? But that steward's Kerry Carrick impression was terrible. I, I know, but don't worry about it. We are saving so much money doing this, and we're not even skimping on the necessities. You can swap the bomb bays out on these things now, and you can put in modules that transport troops, passengers, even cargo. The ticket confirmation in my Mobiglass authorizes me to open the outer hatch, so in we go. Kind of Spartan in here. You didn't book us in cargo, did you? Good lord, look at this room. There's like 20 seats all smushed together. Look at all the straps and harnesses. It's like a nylon spiderweb. Those aren't our seats, are they? <laughs> no, of course not. No, come on, let's go find the passenger compartment. Uh, right through here. Oh, well, this is nice. Pretty spacious. Looks like we've got two chairs for this table there. Oh, and there's a nice big display screen on the opposite wall. Looks like a Jeffrotron. That'll make the trip go faster. Yeah, hey, I, th I think this table folds into the floor. Huh, I wonder if we can get it out of the way in flight, you know, maybe recline the seats for a nap. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Please forgive me for not greeting you at the hatch. My name is Sean. Welcome aboard. Oh, hello there. Forgive me, 
But do we know each other? You seem strikingly familiar. Um, no, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. No, it's just that I could swear. That... You know, you know. I get this a lot. You know, you'd be surprised at how common this type of mustache is in flight service and in government bureaucracies. Ah, oh, capital. Um, so you're the student? Uh, uh, flight attendant. Remember what happened last time we said that? Ah, oh yeah, sorry. It's, it's, no, it's no problem. It's a common mistake. It, It's the tight pants I'm wearing. People get the wrong idea. Uh, okay. So, uh, do we talk to you about in-flight refreshments? Uh, you could, but that would be a total waste of your time. Oh? Yeah, I'm actually the master of this vessel. Oh, well, my mistake, Captain. When will we be seeing our flight attendant then? You know, I get that question a lot too. You know, it's probably one of the top uh, seven questions I get asked. Or, you know, usually right after I tell them, "Welcome aboard. I'm the master of this vessel." Um. Well. Oh, oh hang, hang on. Just a few more seconds. There's no flight attendant, is there? Oh, there you go. Why would I let strangers run around inside my ship without sending an employee to greet them at the door while I'm preparing for a departure, unless I had no other choice? Ah, well, it does seem a bit obvious when you put it that way. Isn't that a bit dangerous? Uh, not really, no. I checked you guys out. You said, I could see your passenger history. Seems like you two were a bit rough with your last flight attendant, huh? Uh, you, you saw that, did you? It's it's still a little embarrassing. Oh, it's not a problem. Happens all the time. I see it three times a week. I get a lot of business from people doing their involuntary reflection time. Oh, so it's not just us two then? It is, actually. It is just you. But but you said... Well, th- this flight. Just you on this flight. Oh, right. But uh, Meridian Transit puts people on their no-fly list all the time, right? Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Some uppity entitled suits thinking they're out to conquer boardrooms across the galaxy. They get snotty with the staff, whine and complain about the amenities, demand special attention like angry toddlers. Oh, we get it. And so they come here. You have to rough it with us freelancers for a while, you know. Have an authentic, hands-on space travel experience with none of the frills. It really changes your perspective once you've had a genuine, gritty handcrafted interstellar journey. <laughs> I bet you're going to tell us that once we've tried it, we'll probably never go back. Oh, hell no. No, this trip is going to suck compared to Meridian. Even their frugal flyer service is better than this old beater. Oh, I don't know. This compartment isn't so bad. Really? You think so? That's great. Yeah, it, it's actually really nice. Oh, I know, but it, I know, right? I know. So we had a question about this table here. Right, right. Let me stop you there, okay? This, this compartment here, okay... It's not your birth. You actually need to move to the adjacent module. Uh, really? Uh, why? Well, this is my personal birth, sir, and the other module is a converted troop transport module where the um actual passengers travel. Wait, 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 wait. Hang, on, hang on. The nylon spiderweb. I mean, you just said that we were the only passengers, and there's about 20 seats back there. 12, um, actually, sir. The uh, eight-point harnesses are all compliant with UEE safety protocols, and I've removed the standard weapons racks for expanded legroom. Legroom? What about breathing room? We paid good money for this ride, and we expect to receive equivalent service. 
Sir, I'm not sure 100 credits qualify as good money. Well, we might not have the perfect passenger scores, and maybe Meridian Transit won't take us, but I'll bet a nasty review from two fine, upstanding members of the business community will make other involuntary reflection time passengers think twice about booking a passage with you. Quite right. Now, we're reasonable guys. Feel free to join us during the trip, Captain. I'm sure you can find a crate or a bucket for you to sit on while we watch the Jeffrotron. But make no mistake, we will not be spending one minute strapped in a glorified sardine can. You know, here's here's the thing, okay? You guys seem cool, right? I mean, you got that macho, take charge, tell the world how things are going, right? You know, you got that. Yeah, well, I guess. Sure. Okay, okay, tell you what. You guys chill here for a minute, okay? Let me take care of some stuff in the cockpit, you know, the boring captain-y stuff, okay? And then we're going to have some serious fun. That's more like it. Yeah, some people just don't understand what it takes to be competitive in a modern business world. Respect for the customer's needs. Uh, Greetings, passengers. Uh, This is Captain Sean from the cockpit. Uh, Thank you for choosing my service today, but let's be frank here. You really didn't have much of a choice since you got kicked off a real space transport. Hey! Since you've chosen to decline our UEE-approved safety harness-equipped compartment, allow me to brief you on the safety features of the crew lounge module. It doesn't have any, but I did choose the option to retain the original retractable Bombay doors. Your flight time to the ground is approximately 1.2 seconds from an initial height of about 2 meters. Please enjoy your flight. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he mumbles 100 word stories in his sleep and haunts the nightmares of internet miscreants. But all we know is he's called the Shiv and he helped put together this week's feedback. We're going to continue with our feedback from episode 91. Community question, 100 words or less. Tell us what you think about Derek Smart. This is all the stuff we didn't get to last week. More or less edited down to fit uh, showtime constraints. Yeah, so sorry about that. The first one that I'm apologizing to is Matt because I absolutely butchered his feedback. So it's now reduced down to, it's a requirement under UK law for companies over a certain size to be subjected to a full financial audit annually. CIG UK may be too small, but they'll have to publish their balance sheet. Companies often enter this by producing disclosure packs, including those statements and also some commentaries available on their website. Instead of forensic accounting, just publish an accounting pack, low cost and would show rough distribution of spend, year-end bank balance, etc, etc. Enough to settle concerned backers and a much more favourable position for CRG to be in for any potential investigation. Ashley Merton says, I didn't back a corporation, I backed Chris Roberts and I want the company to stay how it was. I believe if this turns into a corporation, DS won't be happy unless he's a part of it. And Theron Tran goes on to say, The problem with the boards is that they sometimes begin to buy into their own bullshit and think they know the direction the company should go better than the company creator and the artistic director. It's not inconceivable that they could relegate Chris Roberts to a largely ceremonial role, which would be the death knell of CIG as we know it. Great show. Keep up the good work. Heremus writes in, Good show, everyone. The escapist crossed, for my interpretation, a red line. An anonymous source can go to the police and give them tips, which leads to facts. But an anonymous source should never get an amplified voice on the internet with career-harming allegations of this kind, without hard proof. 
In this case, the intention is more to hit below the belt. Without concrete evidence, the escapist should be made responsible for his actions. Just saying we did some mistakes won't cut it. I have more problems with this article, but this is by far the worst one. Sean Newboy says, love the show, everyone. I hope DS gets his butt handed to him publicly. Eric says, I'll say yes to Tony's idea under one condition. It happens with LOD first so we can see how it works. So I'm, I'm thinking he's talking about uh, Derek Smart's little production there. Yeah, line yeah. of defense, yeah. Oh, okay. Drakir says, Incorporation takes time and money. Since backers are international, there would also be very complicated international laws to consider. The Persistent Universe is supposed to be out by the end of 2016, which is end of project except for Squadron 42, Episode 2, Episode 3, and so forth. After that, it's just stretch goal cleanup. I don't think spending the time and cash to incorporate is worth it for anyone. Future crowdfunded projects may want to take up the model, but for Star Citizen, it seems like a major waste of resources for limited and nebulous benefit. Matt C. writes in and says, that Derek Smart guy. Also, people who want a solution, I have one for you. Back the game again. Subscribe to the game. Buy a poster for your hangar. Buy a Mustang for your friend who might be interested in playing. Buy an Arena Commander t-shirt for 25 bucks. Buy a skin for your ship for $5. Nothing speaks louder than your wallet. So speak. Tim Simmons says, Hi guys, DS is nothing more than an agitator who uses conflict to promote his games. It's documented that he starts conflict online just because he can, and it's how he gets his amusement. The Star Citizen game we're getting is not the game I signed up for, and I'm glad it isn't. It will be much more. Tony said to make shares for the company so backers could vote. They already did. I voted with my cash. I have no idea exactly how Chris's game will turn out, but I trust it will be good. Titus Krager says, stop trying to concede to him. As per Section 7.3 of the TOS, Derek Smart, as well as anyone else who so chooses, are agreed to a refund and nothing more. Yet his breach of Section 5 means CIG is not obligated to award said refund and reserve the right to terminate his account and participation of the game and RSI services. Which they did. It's all right there in the TOS. We all are promised nothing more than the development of this game and a copy of it at release. If such a release happens. Stand your ground, CIG. Luke Simmons says, have to completely disagree with the corporation idea. Octane X, thanks for another good show. I do like hearing the status of the DS versus RSI without all the fanboyisms. I am a Guard Frequency fanboy and I'm a little ashamed of that. Keep up the good work. Now pass the pretzels. <laughs> Vogon Poem Lover says, I do enjoy these podcasts, but I have to disagree with the suggestion that CIG should be restructured to appease certain bellicose critics. First, we don't know that there's even a problem, so why go through the effort and risk screwing up the development of the game? Plus, I'm fairly certain that regardless of the corporate structure of CIG, those critics will not cease their ranting until either Star Citizen is released and is a success, or it fails miserably. Damon Shanik says, Your legal perspective gives you a unique look into all the Star Citizen legal drama. I want to hear it. But not everyone cares for that drama. But guys like Derek Smart are more than a troll. They're more like cancer. Ignoring cancer will not make it go away. My suggestion, offer a secondary smartwatch supplementary MP3 file for people who want to hear about it. Still record the podcast with the segment, but cut it out and offer it as an additional download or a backer's download for people interested. Keep up the great work. Take care. All right, Jeff, you got the floor. You wanted to make a point about Mark C's uh, comment earlier? Yeah, we're, you know, every week we do the filings of uh, what's going on with CIG and, you know, get you all the relevant news. And oh, one th- you mean our crowdfunding yes, update? Yes, our crowdfunding update. 
And it dawned on me that despite all the controversy that's going on, Star Citizen raised $1.3 million. That's a lot of shekels, people. And it tells me that despite all this stuff that's going on, there doesn't seem to be any slowing down. Well, you're right. I mean, they raised a bunch of money in a very short period of time, and apparently I think a lot of people did take Matt C.'s advice, but these were people that had already subscribed. The other number that we're not looking at here, the two other numbers are the number of ships that were sold, only between one and 2,000. We round. I round and I do those numbers because I'm not going to get down to the... But I mean, roughly one to 2,000 ships were sold in a two-week period between uh, episode 90 and, and uh, when we recorded this episode. But only 1,000 ships or 2,000 ships were sold. $1.3 million brought in. That's excellent. And only 6,000 new accounts registered over a two-week period. The ship sale and the new accounts registered, that's on the low side. It really is low, historically. It had been tapering downward over the last few weeks. And I'd mentioned that in some of our crowdfunding updates. But the amount of dollars that have been brought in is very large. So it, it seems to me that a lot of people bought the Endeavor. And a lot of people bought expensive Endeavors but they weren't necessarily new people. And I think that is probably one of the big effects. A lot of people that might have been on the fence are now clearly on the wait-and-see side of the fence about Star Citizen. They're like, ooh, maybe I was right not to buy anything yet. So that clearly, I think, had an effect. But the people that are already on the Star Citizen is going to be fine fence doubled down. I think that clearly happened. So Matt's suggestion to people who listen to shows like this one uh, seems to have already been taken. The faithful have responded, let's say. But one point that got to me that was repeated several times was that as customers, you should do that. You should vote with your cash. You know, riffing off of your point, Jeff, a lot of people have voted with their cash. I would still like a different type of vote at some somewhere. I don't care who, I don't care how. Angel investor, corporate board, somebody else that doesn't have to vote with their cash, somebody that can vote with their wisdom, their experience, their knowledge. Because the allegations, possibly unfounded, possibly not, we don't know, are that management is not up to snuff. And if management's not up to snuff, the only way customers can hold them accountable is to stop shopping. Clearly, we're not stopping shopping. So the customers are still okay. But if that means that the product is delayed, if it means that the product is not what we were promised, if the product is somehow not right, there is no recourse. That's why I'd like another layer, another, another point in the triangle. I want that third leg. I want I want another I want another group. I want another tug of war. The problem with voting with your wallet as well is that it's always 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 been a fundamentally flawed concept. I mean going right back to when we were having the discussion about stretch goals and whether they should stay, one of the things that was brought up is that when you're voting with your wallet, there is no way to register a no vote. You cannot measure the amount of people that didn't back because X. You know, so Well, there is in a way. I mean, I'm a subscriber. Tony, you're a subscriber. I mean, if we felt this was going nowhere, we'd stop our subscriptions. And so would a lot of other people. Only the subscriptions, it's been made very clear to us on multiple occasions, every time for the chairman, those subscriptions fund the community outreach, not the game development. Right, but it's still a sign that um, we are voting with our cash. Okay, but your next door neighbor, how do you know whether he was going to buy a ship or not? I don't. Exactly my point. I don't care whether he tries to buy a ship or not. But CIG need to care because that could be him. I'm really interested in this game, but you're getting a no vote from me. 
You know, we don't have numbers like that. And going back to the whole, just using the stretch goals as a, as a concept, it was if we get above a million dollars, then you get, oh, I don't know, a, a Vandal language. You know, they went above a million dollars because of the ships that were available to purchase. It could have been coincidence. It could have just been the day that you got several people buying completionist packs. There's no way to say that everybody who chipped in money wanted the Vandal language. Alternatively, you know, it equally works the other way. You can't tell if the proportion that didn't vote during a certain time period didn't want a Vandal language, because it was a limited time thing that you had to get a purchase in to register a yes vote. But there's no way of counting the amount of people that were against. So if you had, a, if you have a lot of people that have a lot of spare cash, then you're going to see skewed results on the back with your wallet thing. You know, we could get a hundred people leave the game tomorrow but four people come along and buy completionists and they're still making a profit. They're still making above and beyond. And that's actually 96 that have registered no in that respect, but the money shows that they're up. So they would think everything that they're doing is a positive thing. I think with the concept of not necessarily having a board or an incorporation, but the three-way tug of war, is that there is somebody who can say no, which has been the thing all along that has been missing, in my opinion. We've brought that up many times on the show. Yes. Someone needs to be able to say no and make it stick. And it doesn't have to be a board. It doesn't have to be an angel investor. It doesn't have to be random internet miscreants. Just somebody that can say no and make it stick. It could be Jeff's next door neighbor. It could be Jeff's next door neighbor. And one final point Octane X, you get a patch. There's nothing to be shamed about. For being a guard frequency that, fanboy, that's so, right. You keep you, you continue you, being a fanboy. We're gonna boy. set you 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 send us your address uh, and name in an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. We will send you a patch, and you can you can wear that fanboy on a sleeve, a jacket, a backpack, whatever you like. Also, I hate them, but just because we haven't given one out for a while, have an achievement. Oh, there you go. Yes, the first the first uh, admitted guard frequency fanboy. Well done, well played, sir. On to general feedback. Odin Omen writes in and says, Nice letter to at Guard Freak on episode 90. Appreciate you mentioning me like that. Have a super day. Smiley face. James Saga, which I can't tell is a name or possibly a story, says, Great show as always. Mirtok says, I listened to your show with a friend and I loved it. Sean Newboy. <laughs> Tried to trick me, didn't you? Sean G-N-U-B-O-I. Nice. Wonderful call-in show. Good job. Nix says, great show. The call-ins are a nice addition to the usual format, though I miss some of the other segments. I have no doubt that you'll catch up on later shows, though. When it comes to the game, I was a bit concerned when I read one of the answers in the latest Q&A for the Endeavor. Do we need to return to a dock or hangar to safely log out? One of the answers hinted that leaving the ship in orbit of an unexplored planet could be dangerous. This is a bad gameplay mechanic, in my opinion. You may have to go offline for any number of reasons, and losing a ship as a result would be very bad. I think a ship needs to despawn no matter where you are if you log out or lose connection to the server. You may want to stop exploits, though, by disabling despawning on logout during combat, though. You know, I want to take a minute and address this. Yes. In Star Citizen Light, uh, Elite Dangerous, which is a game that I do thoroughly enjoy, they have a mechanic for dealing with this. I think that what it is is that your ship remains in-game for a certain time, like five minutes or something like that, so that you, if you lose connection or, or rage quit or whatever, you know, you're logged out, but your ship remains a physical object that can be interacted with for a short period of time. I think that's the compromise that they have come up with on Elite, and that's not a bad compromise, I don't think. If you're going to quit in the middle of combat when somebody's about to kill you, 
Well, that's not exactly cool. I know I rail against, you know, forced PvP combat, but, you know, you gotta give the guy his victory if he's earned it. I think that might be a good way to sort of, you know, compromise there. Yeah, most MMOs have it where if you log out your character still remains visible in the world for 30 seconds and provided you don't get attacked or anything then you disconnect in those 30 seconds so i'm fairly certain that they would do some sort of mechanic like that i'm not one of those guys so i don't know how that exactly works so well it still works like that for pve bear in mind you know if you run into the middle of a vandal nest even though it's all ai you can't just log out that way you can but it would be stupid because your ship will remain there for 30 seconds they're gonna beat the hell up on you and then you're gonna disconnect and you know come back and you'll be dead i don't do that it's not a thing oh no no i'm gonna kill me you're gonna kill me yeah yeah right exactly but i'm just saying that there are people who will try to exploit it by i don't know (sighs) if you like try and train the vendor yeah exactly if you try and like kite them out of there so that you you sort of fly in get all their attention they chase after you you disconnect they sort of path off a little bit and then when you respawn you're outside the aggro range but they haven't made it back to the bit you're trying to get to you know it's to avoid exploits like that wow it's like you've done that before it does sound like that, doesn't it? But I actually I genuinely haven't. I just uh, I can just remember reading up a lot about Lord of the Rings online. Reading, right, so, right. You're, yeah. you're well-educated. Right, okay. Thilda says, uh, good show. I completely agree with the sentiment of getting missions for Squadron 42 out in the near future, regardless if its initial quality doesn't meet the bar that has been set. And once again, a reminder that Mog Nation is doing a charity raffle for Extra Life. It comes with the seal of approval from CIG and can be found in a link that we'll put in our show notes. Uh, October 20th will be the last time we mention this, so uh, it's uh, this show and the next show we'll be reminding you, and then the date will be upon us. Our new Patreons this week is Damon Sesnick and Nathan Branford. Our winners of a brand new patch is Derek Goodwater and Rogue. And this week's community question, Citizen Con Highlight Reel. Tell us your favoritest thing of the weekend. Send an email to squawkguardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Were we fresh, insightful, and relevant? Or obsolete and outdated? You know what? Don't answer that. But in a general way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 92 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 93 on October 20th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways that you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, drop us a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production. Priority One covers Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Head on over to priorityonepodcast.com to check them out. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central, that's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. 
We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Caterpillar, Caterpillar. Another set of correspondence between our two favorite people. Uh, Derek Smith and Ortwin Fryermuth. Um, I believe Derek Smart. Derek Smith. Did I call him Derek Smith you again? You keep calling him Derek Smith, but that's. I don't even want to say his name. Honestly, out loud. not his name. I think that's what it, I have. Some, some sort of block. There's a block. I don't even <laughs> want to say it out loud. It's like I really do think it's a Beetlejuice thing. If we summon, we will summon him. If we say his name too many times, or we'll write him an open letter. No, that's sort of an insulation because he's he blocked he blocked the guard frequency Twitter feed, and you know we'll never go, we'll never never hear us again. It's safe on the Twitter feed. And that comment is directed at uh, CIG and Ortwin, and it's also directed at Smart and his bunch. You guys have traded plenty of shots. You guys wasted a lot of time and effort and electrons and paper. Somebody who thinks that they've got it, bring it. You want? You were awfully quiet, Lenny. You want to say anything? Uh, no, because I'll probably get us into trouble with my opinions. So I'll come back to this one. <laughs> but there's but they're told in such a British voice. I know, I know, which makes them sound authoritative even when they're not. So. Yeah. All right. All away right. Next well, well I just let, let the record show I gave you an opportunity. It won't, though, because this will get cut. Damn it. So you can say anything you like here, because it's going to go in the blooper reel. Hitler. Massive <laughs> nipples. <laughs> right, let's... Uh... <laughs> uh, work in progress. <laughs> that was a work in progress, all right. That was a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, that was a work in progress, translating war garble. Matt C. says that Derek Smart No, he guy. actually says bleep. No, he actually said Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Shiv put it in there and said beep. Eh. Put it in there and said bleep. And I and I expect that uh, we, we bleep me too. Because we'll be bleeping you when you say where the f*** is the first person shooter module. We'll let one slip under the radar. I don't have neighbors. I live in the country. Oh. Jeff's next door sheep. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I don't know. What, what sort of animals do you have up there? I'm presuming it's sheep. It could be cows. I'm equal opportunities. Scotland. Well, he might be. Um, I mean, his name's Macomb, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's not go into my sheep. Check out our forum post at Robert's. Uh, Robert's. <laughs> Robert's. Wow, forum I said those such conviction, too. Yep. At Robert's. Okay. <clears throat> I do this every week. I don't know why this is hard. Remember, bleep Tony when he says Hitler.